But anyway, we're starting off a new, I mean, we're not starting a series, we're continuing the sermon series starting off on the right foot. So how many have made New Year's resolutions? Few, few. How many have made New Year's resolutions to lose weight? My hand's up. My hand's up. Well, my sweet wife helped me, is helping me along with my resolution. And she's one of her many, 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 many gift cards that she got for Christmas. And she bought me a talking scale for a late Christmas present. It's pretty cool. Really, it is. Took it out of the box and, and I stepped on it and it said, one at a time, please. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Well, then I calibrated it. You know, you got to enter all your data and everything like that. And then I stepped on it again, and it said that I was the perfect weight for a height of eight foot four inches. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some work to do. And you probably have heard this. We talk about resolutions all the time. And, you know, and there, there are studies that say that 40% of people make New Year's resolutions. That means if this was a study group, four out of every 10 of you would make New Year's resolutions. But here's the thing. Only 8% of people achieve those resolutions. And so why is it so hard to make changes to our life? Why is it hard to make changes to our spiritual life even though we know we should? I mean, just this morning I heard Starla praying about her resolution. She said, Lord, this year I've done really well. Haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, haven't been grumpy. I took exception with that, but I didn't say anything. Haven't been overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But Lord, in a few minutes, I'm probably going to need a lot more help because I'm going to get out of bed and face this day and face this world. And so... To get started off on the right foot. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, we find a very familiar scripture. And it says, To work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing, why I'm laughing but uh, it, it, it's humorous to me, though, because so many people have used this text. And they use it out of context to justify and give license to questionable practices in their lives. Let me give you an example of what I mean. How many know the Bible says do not steal? Pretty fundamental, right? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that if you do steal, that you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, we're good so far. Well, then you cruise back in the Old Testament to Malachi 3.8, and it says that if you don't pay your tithe, you're stealing from God. But yet the Christian who doesn't pay his tithe has obviously, some way, somehow, worked out his own salvation. Now, he probably needs to work on the fear and trembling part. Because I certainly don't want to be in his shoes when he stands before the big guy on Judgment Day. But that's between him and that person. Okay, now, it got awfully quiet. You were with me pretty good until then. 
You got awfully quiet. Don't worry. Let go of your wallet. I'm not preaching about money today. You can relax. It was just an example. Okay? I promise I'm like medicine. If you'll help me, it goes down a lot easier than if you sit there. Okay? And so work out your own salvation. It gives us the privilege as well as the responsibility of being involved in our own salvation. Listen, I don't know about you, but I am glad God didn't leave it to someone else to exercise faith for me because some other old boy might not be too concerned about my spiritual welfare. I'm certainly concerned about my soul and where I'm going to spend eternity, and so I'm thankful that God didn't leave my salvation to my sister. You ought to be happy about that too. I'm glad that God said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, which means with very great concern, we need to be concerned about where we're going to spend eternity. I mean, it is an awesome responsibility that God gives us. You see, because he created us with a free will, we have the responsibility of coming to him. And that includes our personal choice. It means choosing God and his salvation. It means living a life that is pleasing to him. In other words, it places a responsibility of reaching God squarely on the shoulders of you and me. But while some people take liberties to work out their own salvation however they see fit, well, the other side of that coin is there are people who become so discouraged so easily and they barely get past the sinner's prayer. And the reason is because people know their weaknesses. They know the strong temptations that they live with, and they say, I'm too weak. I can't live a Christian life. People rationalize, maybe it's okay for my grandma. Maybe it's okay for the preacher, but I've got to live out here in the real world. I've got to work around people that don't serve God, and the temptation is too great. They think, and they rationalize, I would like to be a good Christian, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite, and I know myself, and I just cannot make God happy. But you see, the situation is that people who think that way, they stop reading our text too soon. Because verse 12 does say that we must work out our own salvation with great care and great concern, with fear and with trembling. But then verse 13 tells us that we are not alone when we try to do it. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Friend, listen to me. You are not in this thing by yourself. You can please God if you will give him a chance. Now, he's not asking you to do it alone. He is working with you, and God has got your back. So here's the good news. You are a work in progress, and you have divine help. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship. And he's working on you while you are working on yourself. He's shaping you. He's helping you through those rough spots. And most importantly, he is giving you grace at those times when you need it. I mean, if that wasn't the case, none of us would ever make it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 says God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Think of that. You're not only working out your own salvation, but God, Almighty God, is working in you. He will do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. 
If you say, I can't live it because I know myself too well, well, that might be true, but you don't realize what God can do to help you live it. Listen, if you'll depend on God, you will surprise yourself in those times of crisis. Because after all, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, we are workers together with God. And friend, he helps us by his grace. And so if you want to achieve your New Year's spiritual resolutions, discover your potential in working with God. Realize you're not alone in working out your own salvation. Don't think you're by yourself trying to go deeper in Christ. Don't think you're isolated to do everything about your consecration, about your faith, about you making it to heaven because God will work with you and God will work in you if we let him. Because, folks, I don't think we fully grasp the miracle that happens to us at the new birth. And when that happens, God is with us the rest of the way. Now, you will never lose your free will while you're on this earth. As long as you're breathing, you will always have the choice. And if you want to turn away from following God, you can. But I want you to know that when you become a child of God, he has a very special interest in you, an interest in you, and he is working in you, and he is working with you as you labor together. Some of you, as you're looking over the new year, you might say, well, you know, I, I'd like to be a Christian. I really would. Others of you may say, I'd like to have more of Christ in me. I'd like to grow deeper in Christ, but I know myself too well, and I just can't do it, so I'm sure not going to be a phony. See, what you're leaving out is giving God a chance to help you in your endeavors, because all of us, I mean, all of us are human. All of us have weaknesses. All of us are prone to failure. But with God, all things are possible. And when you give up, when you give in, when you throw in the towel, I mean, you're playing into the devil's hand. That's all he's after. But when you realize that God will help you and work with you, then you begin to realize that you can do certain things that God wants you to do, and you can make it with God's help. When you come to him, Christ promised, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And that means you have divine help from that moment on. Simply put, if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, and he comes into your life, you become a new creation, and you are born again. And from that time on, the only way that you can ever get yourself out of God's hands is to take yourself out of God's hands. But if you will leave yourself in the hand of God with all of your imperfections, with all the things that God has to work on, all those rough edges that he needs to smooth down, if you will keep your faith in God and keep working, Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. He will not quit unless you quit. He'll be with you all the way through because you've got divine help at your disposal. I mean, Almighty God who created the universe. But not only that, Almighty God who created you is helping you achieve your spiritual goals. Now, you can be sure, make no mistake about it, the devil is not going to leave you alone. 
He's going to be in your ear. He's going to be whispering. He's going to be reminding you that you've tried this before. And he's going to remind you about that time. Remember how embarrassing it was when you made that bold confession to all your family and friends, but then you didn't follow through? Do you remember how bad that made you feel? Friend, you need to remember. The devil is just a big bag of wind. And you have Christ in you who is the hope of all glory. And when the devil or your spouse or your best friend comes and tries to tempt you, send Jesus to the door to answer it. He can handle the situation if you will let him. Folks, if you rely on Jesus, you can surprise the naysayers, and you will surprise yourself. Allow God to complete the miracle that he has began in your life. I want you to know some of the greatest blessings in the Christian life are the surprises that come along the way when you have strengths that you really didn't know you had. Somehow, when your back is against the wall, you can reach down inside and you'll find the strength to do things that you never thought you could do. I remember, I, I remember the time when I found out that I could turn the other cheek. I'd heard it all my life. I never knew if I could actually do it when I needed to. It wasn't easy, but with God's help, I was able to do it. Now, the fact that the guy was six foot eight and 300 pounds might have had something to do with it. I'm not sure. But what I'm saying is that there is a reservoir of strength in every Christian that he doesn't even know he has because we are still just human beings. But there is a God sitting on the throne in heaven that will help you reach your spiritual goals if you will give him the chance. You say, yeah, but preacher, you know, that sounds well and good. But, you know, I've been there. I've been there when I didn't make it. I've been there when I did fail, and I don't like it. But, friend, that doesn't mean that God kicked you to the curb and turned his back on you. God is going to trim those rough edges off, and he's going to help you if you'll give him the chance. Allow God to continue the miracle in your life. Now, God calls man to repentance not because he has great faith in fallen man's ability or his strength to get the job done, but because God sees people not as they are, but as they can be with his help. With his help. God doesn't see you as you are. God sees you as you can be when he gets through working on you. If God looked at us with what we could do in our own strength, we'd all be in trouble. He'd throw up his hand and say, what's the use? But God looks at us through the lens of what we will be when he gets through working on us. But you see, you've got to take God at his word and you've got to give him a chance. You've got to come to him before he can start working on you. You've got to step out in faith so you can have more of Christ in you. Now, we certainly have to do our part, but the finished product is a result of God's workmanship, his polishing, his perfecting, and his molding. Galatians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For God worked effectively in Peter to 
the apostleship. I mean, Almighty God really had to work in Simon Peter's life. Because Peter wasn't exactly a model candidate for apostle of the year in the early stages of his checkered career. Now, he became a great apostle, but it sure didn't happen overnight. He stumbled, he failed, he sinned, but God didn't give up on Peter because Jesus saw him as he would be and not as he was. But, I mean, Peter was continually blowing it. He was continually fumbling the ball and getting in the flesh until one time in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus called him out. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, that is a pretty tough rebuke. I know, because Starla has used it on me before. And listen, when Jesus or your wife calls you a devil, you can assume that you need some more work. Well, later on in John chapter 21, this is after the resurrection. This is after Jesus has come out of the tomb and the disciples have seen him. Jesus had to rebuke Peter again. This time for whining and bellyaching about John. Because you see, Jesus was still working, was still working on the rough edges of the hot-headed and brash Simon Peter. So they're standing on the shore of the lake. Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? Peter says, yes. Jesus said, feed my sheep. All well and good. That should have ended it, but we're talking about Peter here. So Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Well, then Jesus asked him a third time. And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter got irritated because Christ was interrogating him, and there was John standing over there enjoying the show, and Peter didn't like it. And Peter said, why are you picking on me? What about that guy? What does he have to do? And Jesus had to set Peter straight again, and he said, Simon, if I want John to stand on his head right here on the beach until I come again, it is none of your business. And Peter had stuck his foot in his mouth again. I mean, the guy certainly knew the way to the woodshed. But of course, we all know Peter's worst moment was when he denied that he ever knew Jesus. Screaming at a young girl, I don't know the man. Wow. I mean, if Jesus ever needed a friend, he never needed one more than then. There Jesus was. He had been arrested. He's heading to die on the cross. And Matthew 26, 47 says, after a little maid called out Peter and said, you're one of his followers. The Bible says, then Peter began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Mm -mm. Now, I don't think we would have chosen this man to be the chief apostle and our head spokesman on the day of Pentecost. Let's be honest. In our enlightened age, we probably wouldn't have used Simon Peter. 
I mean, probably if we would have been alive back then, knowing what we know now, we would have called ourselves a committee meeting. We would have gathered together. We would have said, now, 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 you know, let, wait a minute. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. You know, we all kind of got wrapped up in the moment. We all ran away. We got scared. And, you, you know, we really didn't know what we do. We may have not acted right. But at least we didn't cuss. At least we didn't say that bad word. No F-bombs with us. Like that is the mark of a true Christian, which it should be, but I don't think that's the defining moment of what makes you a Christian or not. Now, now they said, Peter, now, you know, we love you, but you just go ahead and you just sit over there, sit over there and prove yourself for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then after that time, when you've proven yourself, maybe then we'll let you sweep the floors or clean the toilets somewhere in some church. Doesn't that sound like something that we would do? But I want you to know, God looked on this man and saw him as he would be, not as he was. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, when the angel appeared to the women after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter that I will see them in Galilee. He mentioned Simon Peter by name. Why? Peter had denied Jesus. He had turned against him. He wept bitterly, realizing what a coward he had been under fire. He even remembered his braggadocious way when he told Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll go with you even if it costs me my life. And yet Peter couldn't even stand up when he was accosted by a little maid girl. But Jesus knew how terrible Peter felt. And Jesus didn't see him as he was. Jesus saw Peter as he would be when Jesus got through working on him. So Jesus said, tell Peter, I want to see him. I have got something for him to do. And I want you to know on the day of Pentecost, when Holy Ghost fire fell and they began to speak with other tongues, it was Simon Peter that stood and preached a sermon under the anointing of the Holy Spirit like had not been heard before because God didn't see the man that vacillated and was weak. God didn't see the man who was weak and wishy-washy. God saw Peter as he would be when God got through with him with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God sees in you. Every single one of you, that's what God sees in you. You may think I'm a failure. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. But keep your hand in God's hands. Keep working on it. Let God work on you and in you. Because the end of the game is not today. The end of the game is what you will be, not what you are. Let God operate in your life. Don't get discouraged and certainly don't give up. Give God a chance and you will make it. I mean, of course, Jesus was well aware of Peter's failures. He was there. But he also knew that Peter knew things in the spirit realm. And just like Peter, there are good things in your life that you tend to overlook when you get down on yourself. 
I mean, we all know Peter messed up more than once. But I want you to know one day Jesus was sitting with his guys and he said, who do men say that I am? The other disciples, they were just kicking tires. They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, or some say you're the other prophets. But then Jesus asked a very poignant question. He said, but who do you say that I am? And it was old foot in the mouth, Peter. Can you believe it? Peter, who came up with the correct answer, and Peter said, I know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter had spiritual insight way back there when there were a lot of people that were still wondering. Sure, we talk about Peter and the failures he had, but he also had some great victories, and Jesus saw what this man could be when he finally got it all together. That's all God wants. That's all God is asking from you. He just wants us to keep trying so with his help, we can get it all together. This year, let God work in you so that you can become the finished product that he wants you to be. Jesus knew that Peter was a man that although he sank when he got out of the boat, at least the guy got out of the boat. The other guy sure didn't get out of the boat. They just hung over the rail with their mouth gaped open thinking, what an idiot, what's he doing? But Peter took Jesus Christ at his word and got out of the boat and walked on the water. He made an effort to follow God, and that is all God is looking for. All God wants is to work in you. God knows how bad you feel when you mess up. He knows you're not perfect, and in a moment of weakness, you might fall. But the key is, don't stay down. Don't give up. And don't ever believe the lie that God is mad at you. God loves you, and all he wants is for you to get back up and keep striving for the plan that he has for your life. Peter didn't give up, and God didn't give up on him, and Peter reached his God-ordained potential. The Bible is full of miserable characters that were liars and thieves and major sinners, but God saw what they could be. And God worked with them and in them and changed their life. And friend, God wants to change your life. If you'll just give him the chance. Don't always try to rely on your own strength. Don't allow your weaknesses to keep you from coming to God. Don't allow your past failures to keep you from trying again. As we begin this new year, know that God sees you as you can be with his help. And you can surprise yourself when you allow God to perform the miracle in your life. Friend, when we're born again, we don't have to depend upon our own strength and our own abilities. Because we've got a God who is working in us. And if we'll just let him, we will be amazed at what he can do through us. If we give God a chance to work in our lives. When he changes you with a new birth, you'll have a backbone and a resolve that you've not had before. And even if you do fail, God is right there to help you stand up and keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Give God the chance to make you into what he has planned for you.
Now, I realize that you may think this is a bleak world out there today. It really does on the surface. It looks good. But I want you to know my God is still on the throne. And 2019 is going to be the most glorious year in God's history. Because God does not decrease. God only increases. And you and I can increase in 2019 also if we make that choice. And I want you to know I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to prophesy over 2019. And I'm going to tell you what God will do. And next year at this time, if the Lord tarries, we can judge and see if I knew what I was talking about. Here are my top 10 predictions for 2019. Number 10, the Bible will still have all the answers. Argue with me if you want to. 12 months, we're going to see. Number nine, prayer will still be the most powerful thing on earth. Number eight, the Holy Spirit is still at work in this world. Number seven, God will honor the praises of his people. Number six, there will still be God-anointed preaching. Number five, there will still be singing of praises to Almighty God. Number four, God will still pour out his blessings upon his people. Number three, there will still be room at the cross. Number two, Jesus will still love you no matter what you do. And my top prediction for 2019, Jesus will still save the lost when they come to him. Friend, with predictions like that, I can guarantee that if you will hang on to those promises, you will receive from God whatever it is that he has planned for your life, and it will be the greatest year that you have ever had spiritually. Friend, give God a chance in your life. You can make it. Now, I'm sure that there are people here, and you've been battling over any number of things. You may be here today, and you're on the verge of giving up. You may have even said, hey, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Friend, listen to me. Please listen to me. There is not a person in this building that has not had to ask God to forgive them more than once. Doesn't mean you're a hypocrite just because you fail. You have to say, God, I failed. I missed it. But God, take me back again. Because I'm not depending on my own strength anymore, but I know that you will help me to achieve your promise for my life. So many people give up before they start, and they say they just can't do it. They say, well, if if I come to Christ, I'm going to have to give this up. I'm going to have to give that up. And I know that I just can't. How do you know what you can do until you get God working for you? You'll have strength you never knew you had because it all comes from God. Friend, give God a chance. He's waiting on you.